one of the challenges in talking about prayer, I think, is that everyone does it. And we assume that everyone does it the same. Uh, and it's like, so what new can you say about it? Uh, it's interesting, George Barna, he, they did a, a study on prayer in the United States recently, and they found that prayer is not only the most common faith practice among American adults, but it's also the most complex and multifaceted. The only thing that they determined when they got through with the study <laughs> was that everybody prays differently. Different denominations have various understandings of prayer, not to mention the fact that another study, listen to this one, found out that non-Christians pray as much as Christians. That was pretty amazing. It got me to thinking about, are, are, are we as followers of Jesus, are, are, we, are we praying enough? And how are we praying? Uh, how, how, do, how, do you, how do you judge your prayer life? What, what causes us maybe sometimes in life to struggle with prayer? So I did what anybody else would do. I Googled it. And uh, here's some answers I found about why followers of Jesus may struggle with prayer. For instance, uh, sometimes we feel like failures at prayer when our prayers don't get answered. So we're not very motivated to pray because, you know, I'm not getting the answers. We approach prayer sometimes like a child. That, that was their words. Bringing a list to Santa and kind of belittling the power of prayer. We treat God like a vending machine, like if I do enough stuff and do the right things, you know, then I'll get what I want. Uh, we value what God does more than who God is. Uh, a, some of us view prayer as an obligation, uh, something we have to do instead of a privilege, something we get to do. Uh, we focus on results instead of relationships, so we grow impatient when things don't happen the way that we want or we see answers to our prayer. There's all kinds of things. But, but I think there's a bigger reason why sometimes we struggle with prayer. And I want us to look this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your phone, you can go to the Bible app and you can look it up. Because you'll, you'll, we'll, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles 20 most of the time. It's around 850 B.C. And God's people are divided. Uh, Israel is unfaithful at this time. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they, they were the rulers in the north. And in the south is Judah, that's the other half of Israel, under the leadership of Jehoshaphat. I love that name, Jehoshaphat. Luann's working with the children this morning, but I really did try to get her to name our first child Jehoshaphat. It didn't go very well. Anyway, but, but they're split and divided, two different kingdoms. And while, you know, King Ahab and Jezebel are wicked and evil, Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, is a very righteous man, and he's very concerned about the character of his people. Matter of fact, Jehoshaphat, he sought God's favor in everything that he did, and he sought God's desire for the kingdom in everything that he did. Uh, one of the things that he did that was, uh, had a high impact was uh, he, he would send out, he sent out at one time under God's directives, uh, he, he sent out a bunch of teachers to go all through the land to all the villages and to teach the people about God's word and God's law. He, he believed that God's people should live differently than the rest of the world and the cultures that were around them, even their brothers and sisters in the north who were not following God. And so 
when issues arose and problems came and danger pressed in on them and darkness seemed to loom, he believed with all his heart that if they followed God, God would help them and God would see them through. That if they focused on him, not only would they have unity amongst themselves, but if they all focused on following God, they could find strength in that and that, that God, would, God would save them and help them in times of difficulty. And he knew in times of division which they had already experienced with Israel, he knew what could unify them and hold them together was not to keep their eyes fixed on one another or the problems or the enemy, but to cast their eyes upon God. Many of us would have to agree that we live in a day and time where we, we are desperate for answers. We know division in our world all over the place. We're ravaged by a culture of division Everybody has his own truth, so we don't believe anybody else, you know, unless they agree with us, and that's what we define as truth. There's a spirit of darkness that almost seems to loom on the horizon, it seems, in our country these days, our culture. And I, I think probably most of us would agree that we need direction. We need deliverance. We need hope. I was reading in 2 Timothy 3 this week, and this won't be on the screen, but I just want you to listen to this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of money, lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, <sighs> gotta catch my breath, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen to this, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these, for among them are those who slip into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Boy, the world in which we live today, that fits it to a, a T. And in a lot of ways, that's infected the church. And I, I think the fact that he says that we, some of us will have a form of godliness but deny its power is the impact that has on the church. That we just go through the motions. That we don't have any power. We aren't seeing any victories. We're, we're always learning. We're always filling our minds with the word but not our hearts because we're never really able to fully integrate it into our lives. We need direction, we need deliverance, we need hope. But where do you turn? As a culture, as a church, as a family, as an individual, where do we turn? Well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Ahab in Israel has been killed in battle. But there's no rest for Judah. Because it says in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 20, that after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Minunites. I don't know where the termites were, but uh, they came to war against Jehoshaphat. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek him, to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. The king's alarmed. He's, he's, he looks out and he sees this vast army coming at him. And, and so he, he says, we've got to get together. We've got to come together and seek the Lord and find what he has for us. And I think in, in, in these chapters, verses, I think that God will in these days. 
pillars of that we have. What does God say in this chapter about prayer? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that he says that when the unthinkable happens, we have to resolve to pray. See, our tendency when we, when we face the unthinkable, when something horrible happens or something scary is coming at us and we don't know what to do, is to try to wrap our arms around it, try to understand it, try to figure it out. We try in our own from it, uh, about it. We, we try to figure out, do I have the resources to this problem? Do I have the ability to deal with it? We look to family and friends. We go to people who've been through maybe a similar, a similar circumstance. And we say, you know, what, what did you do? Here's, here's my problem. What, what, what have you done about this? Oh, we Google it, right? I mean, we, we just look because there are moments that are unthinkable and the unimaginable. But here's the thing. Those moments are meant to drive us to God. When we resolve to pray rather than solve... For Jehoshaphat, this vast army was a big deal. They were brutal days of conquest and war. Whoever was the strongest, wealth and power, that, that belonged to those who conquered. And the more power and wealth you had, the more powerful that you were, the more you possessed. What do you think we see today in, going on in Ukraine? We see a big, bad, powerful country wanting the resources of a smaller country who can go in there and do whatever they want who have their way. This, this is what Jehoshaphat was facing. It's like Russia coming at, at, at this small, here, here they are, Judah, and they're being attacked. In the face of devastating news, Jehoshaphat didn't flinch. He didn't pause. You, you, did you notice this? He didn't call his top generals together. He didn't say, assemble the army. He didn't get his economic advisors and his foreign, you know, uh, his foreign press or his uh, foreign ad, uh, advisors together to tell him how to deal with these guys. What do these guys want? How, maybe we send a guy with a white flag and he can negotiate. He didn't do any of that. He didn't poll the people. What do you guys want to do? There's coming this big army out there. What do you want to do? He bypassed all the normal channels of wisdom available to him, and instead he went directly to prayer. What's more, he called his people to join him. And rather than the people splintering into divisions, which we often do, right? Everybody's got their opinion, or they've got their ideologies, or they've got their solutions, or they've got their fears. But instead of that, they all came together to pray. What if we did that today? I, 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 get, I get so tired of turning on the television so tired of hearing discussion of our ideologies and our politics and our military solutions to the world's problem. Why don't we go to the one who has the answers? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we focus on that? Why don't we spend time praying and asking God? I mean, oh, you say, well, Pastor, you're being overly simplistic. Yeah, I don't know, though, but that's what people did in the Bible. Prayer gives us as believers access to God. We've sung about it this morning. It gives us access to a God who created the universe, whose power is unimaginable. The God who carved out the oceans and put the stars in place. That same God hears us when we pray. That's amazing to me. And it ought to be amazing to you. 
But too often, he's only part of the solution for us. Why isn't he the whole solution? What was true for Jehoshaphat that the Bible consistently reveals is still true for us today. It's still true for you today, just as it was true for Jehoshaphat and his people. When the unthinkable threatens, we, like Jehoshaphat, have to resolve to pray. Pray before we do any talking and sharing and politicizing, before we consult all our smart friends, our trusted family, or Google it. (laughs) We need to resolve to pray. That's the first place we go. When something difficult and hard happens, I go to God. I pray. Here's another thing we learn about prayer. Our prayer should take a distinctive shape. I don't know if you remember... um, the disciples one day they came and they asked Jesus teach us how to pray and what Jesus do he gave them the Lord's prayer now prayer is much more than that but that prayer has become a pattern he was giving them a model and so I want you to look Jehoshaphat began to pray and his prayer begins first of all by reciting the character of God he says in verse 6 Lord the God of our ancestors Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. You hear that? He's celebrating and praising God for who he is. But at the same time, he strengthens his faith and that of his people by reminding himself who God is. When you pray, you don't just need to rattle off all these things you want. You need to pause for a moment and remind yourself who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you, Father. You are are the God who is in heaven. You're the ruler over all these things. God doesn't need your praise, but guess what? You do. We need to remind ourselves the one that we're talking to. Jesus said the same thing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. The next thing he did, he continued by tracing God's faithful record. He he recounted God's faithfulness. He says in verses 7 and 8, Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name it's not only remembering who god is but it's remembering what god has done his feats of the past that's a powerful faith building exercise when you pray to be able to pray and say not only here is who you are but to be able to pray and say and here is what i've seen you do i've i've lord i've prayed to you before i prayed for you for you know, I prayed for Aunt Susie Lynn, and Aunt Susie Lynn was sick, and you healed her, Father. And, I, and you know what? I prayed for a job, God, and you took care of me, and you sustained us for all those months I was out of work, and you gave me a job. I know who you are, and I know what you can do. I know what you're all about. If your prayer life is not including those two things, you're not praying right. You're not. <laughs> You've got to remember who he is, and you got to remember what he's done. And here he is standing before this assembled nation, and he's helping them remember God's been faithful to you. Regency Park, if we started telling stories of the things he's done through the years in this place, we might pray for hours and hours and never get to what we need, right? Because God's been faithful to us. 
You need to pray about that. You need to remember not only who he is, but what he's done. He's faithful, not just in his character, but in his actions in your life. And when times are dark, we need to remember that. We need to remember not only who he is, but we need to remember that he can handle anything. The next thing, Jehoshaphat laid out his request. And he said in verse 9, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or the judgment, or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. The king recognizes that though God has blessed the people of Judah and he's provided for them a position of relative safety for the time being, they are still utterly dependent on him for their future. There is no posturing. There is no false bravado to pull the wool over people's eyes. There's not a shred of self-reliance in Jehoshaphat's prayer. He says, look, we're here and we're dependent on you. We've got to have you move and work. We have no power. We don't have enough soldiers. We don't have enough weapons. We don't have enough solutions. We don't have enough strategery. We, we got nothing. We can't do this without you. And then he utters the words that I think are the basis of all prayer. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And in that moment, the king captures the heart of what it means to rely on God. See, when you pray, God's not asking you to come to him with your solutions and have everything all figured out. What God in prayer wants us to do is, is to recognize who he is, recognize, surrender and say, I can't. But I don't know what's happening. time that you have as a family to pray for one another. I can tell you stories understand that, that people understand that we our family understands who God is and that in the end there's not any mouth those are the people who pray you got to live with what answer ever answer he comes up with I don't care. That God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Ahazel to prophesy. God found a way to communicate his. Do not be a. Pray, do not be. Those who really believe that God is for them, knowing 
will Maybe we don't pray enough and maybe we We don't tarry. What feeling better about here's the solution until the tells me what to do prayer till the spirit speaks Know who he is in his character. He's faithful. And then be believe the spirit in his believe the spirit that will provide the direction we need for our invading Judah, and they were defeated. To be more precise each other testament you're going to see any other way than that we hunt that we look to him for the solution that we pray and that we ask him to help us, saying, I, I got nothing, Lord. I, I surrender to you. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to lead me. And then watch as he responds. Maybe what's missing in your prayer life this morning? Maybe you, maybe you say, that's all nice and, and dandy, Pastor, but I'm not that desperate yet. Well, That'll be the thing that keeps you from finding the answers you need. Maybe it's what's missing in our church. Are we desperate? Are we really desperate? Are we desperate to reach our community? Are we desperate to see our families fully one to God? Maybe it's what's missing in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in our culture, our nation. It's just you know, we're so intent on changing the world through the ballot box, we're not desperate enough to say, God, you have to do this. You have to fight the battle. Because it's too big for us. I am desperate for you. We sung that song this morning. Huh. If I fight, I fight on my knees. Because the battle belongs to you. So let me ask you something in the church this morning. Does it belong to him? What if we prayed the way Jehoshaphat prayed? What if we went to him as the solution and not to him with our solution? What if we went to him first and said, whatever you want? What might happen if the church began to pray, celebrating the character of God, re rehearsing his faithfulness and praying with humility? Is it possible that God would move like that again? if we waited on the Spirit to move, and we talked less and listened more to the Spirit, 
What if he spoke and we moved with radical obedience? The end of this story in conclusion, the end of this story, uh, you know, we often associate mountaintops with victory and valleys with defeat. But after this astonishing victory, Jehoshaphat had a new name for the valley where this showdown happened. It's called the Valley of Baraka. And Baraka, when it's translated, means praise. The power of God transformed a valley of certain death and destruction for God's people into a valley of praise. And what I want to tell you this morning is that if you're standing in a valley of destruction today, he can turn your valley of destruction into a valley of praise. He can take, the, he can take death and pain and hopelessness and dis- despair, and he can turn it into a valley of praise if you're desperate enough to let him. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Oh God, today, we thank you for who you are. Like Jehoshaphat, we give you praise for being the God of who created this world, who created us, who who has done powerful and awesome things. And we can look back in our lives, Father, time and again when we have seen you do incredible things in our lives. You're not just faithful in your character, but you are faithful in your actions to us. And we want to thank you and give you praise. God, some of us this morning are standing in a valley of destruction. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a child or a grandchild. Maybe it's a mom or dad. God, it could be a a marriage situation. It could be a relationship. It could be our jobs and our finances. Boy, it could be school right now for some of our students. There may be some friends, friendships, Father, that aren't what they need to be. And God, for some of us, maybe we're just hurting so bad this morning, either because of failure or perhaps because of sin in our lives. And Lord, we come to you today and we don't know what to do. And we don't know who to turn to and we don't know what the answer is. And so this morning as we've sung and so this morning as the sermon's been preached and we've looked at the scripture, as we've prayed prayers today, something in our heart has said to us, I've just got to surrender to you today because I can't. But I know you can Maybe there's somebody online this morning, Father, who's watching, who knows where, and in their heart they're hurting today. Oh, God. We surrender ourselves to you, and with Jehoshaphat, we say we don't know. So we we give ourselves to you. God, help us. God, save us. God, redeem us. God, redeem my situation, redeem my relationship, redeem my, my finances, redeem my, my heart, Father. I can't go another step without you. And I pray today, Father, that every person that prays that prayer this morning, that they would hear your Holy Spirit speak just as surely as you prophesied. 
to Jehoshaphat and the rest of the people that they would hear your voice that says, don't worry, I got you. Surrender to me, just, just lean on me, trust in me, and I'll take you through this. We're going to get through this. I love you. I care for you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you on the other side of it. Just trust me. And I will see you through. I pray, God, today you would speak that into people's hearts and lives this morning so that, Lord, we would go from this place confident and sure that the God we've prayed to today, the God we love and the God that we've sung about and, and the God that who, who, who has said that you will fight our battles, that we can go knowing we don't go out of here by ourselves, but that you go with us. God, I pray for that one who's never had a relationship with you right now. And Father, as they surrender their lives to you, knowing they can't save themselves and they'll never be good enough, that today if they just surrender and say, I want what Jesus Christ did on the cross to count for me. I, I want to be forgiven and I want to be your child and I want you to come into my life and guide me and lead me through my darkest days that God today you would do that this morning and they would know they're forgiven and that they are a child of God. Lord, we don't know what lies ahead, but we know the one who's gone before us and we know the one who walks beside us and we know the one who will carry us through when we're weak and we know the one that if we'll keep our eyes on you, you will see us through and great and incredible things will happen we will be victorious because you are on our side. And with you on our side, what can stand against us? God bless us and keep us, we pray. Move and work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.